Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. This week's episode features Dr. Susan Taylor. She's the founder of Skin of Color Society. She's also a dermatologist. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Sonia Dakar. She's the founder of Sonia Dakar. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so happy to be here with Dr. Susan Taylor. She is the founder of Skin of Color Society. She's a dermatologist. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you. It's so great to have you here. I want to make sure that I'm um, shortening Skin of Color Society correctly. Um, My team, we've been calling it Socks. Is that the right way to say it? That's what people say. It's not my favorite, (laughs) but yes. (laughs) Um, What do you call it for short? Yeah, everybody calls it socks, so you're absolutely right. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, um, I'm so excited to learn about you and share your wisdom with our fans, but let's go back in time before we learn more about what you've been doing lately. Um, I love this question because we're a career and journey-focused show. Um, when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? So I was the kid who wanted to grow up and be a doctor. Now, back then, I'm not sure I understood what that really meant and all the work that entailed, but I knew I wanted to help people. Uh, And so that's what I said, and that's what I ultimately did. So when you were in middle school and high school, you were completely like devoted to this path of becoming a physician. I was. I was. And, you know, my mother was a single parent, and she bought me a microscope. You know, there were some after school and weekend programs that she signed me up, you know, to really support my interest in science. Uh, so, yeah, I th- middle school, high school, uh, that was my path. That's so cool because I had some friends in middle school, uh, one of them, she's like, I want to be a brain surgeon. And today she's a brain surgeon. And, you know, it's, it's so unusual, really, that people are um, feeling compelled and committed to a, a career that early on in their lives, right? So when you see that actually happen, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, it. everyone recognizes their passion at various times and various stages in their lives. And I just realized that's what I wanted to do. And I'm just thrilled that I've been able to be afforded the opportunities to become a physician. Was dermatology on your radar back then? It was not. Uh, I, throughout high school and college and even medical school, uh, my goal was to become an internist and treat uh, individuals in the inner city. I'm from Philadelphia, so the inner city of Philadelphia, where hypertension and diabetes and heart disease are rampant. So that's what I wanted to do. Dermatology was not on my horizon until I was a fourth year medical student. And that's when I did my first dermatology rotation in medical school. And I just was enthralled by all that it offered. What's one of your earliest memories from that dermatology rotation? Well, it was so incredibly exciting to actually see the disease, to see the pathology, to to touch it, as opposed to listening through the stethoscope, whether it was the heart or the lungs. You know, this was just so visual. And that's what struck me originally. 
And um, what was the process like to become a dermatologist once you fell in love with that specialty? Um, do you just sign up? Like, I don't, you know, I didn't go to medical school. I don't know how this works. <laughs> I wish it were as easy as sign me up. <laughs> so um, when I was first exposed to it, I was pretty far down the path of applying for an internal medicine residency. And I decided that I went to medical school, as I said, to treat the underserved, treat their medical problems. So I actually decided I was gonna remain on that path. And I matched into internal medicine. And I ultimately did three years of internal medicine residency and I'm board certified in that specialty. But um, along the way of internal medicine, I realized I wasn't gonna be happy practicing medicine for the next, you know, 30 years or however long. And that what what really excited me was dermatology. So I applied to a dermatology residency. And, and when I applied, as is the case now, it's incredibly uh, competitive. So I was very fortunate in that I matched at uh, Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center and that's where I did my dermatology residency. So that's three years of training in addition to the three years of internal medicine training that I had. And, you know, it was extra time, but so well worth it. And I get to do what, what I'm most passionate about. Why is dermatology so um, competitive to get into? Well, there are very few residency spots for the number of medical students who are interested in the field. So I think it's more of an issue of supply and demand, uh, unfortunately, because, you know, there's there's there should be ample room for all young people who want to go into this wonderful specialty. Uh, you mentioned to me that you started the Skin of Color Center in 1998. So this is a precursor to Skin of Color Society. Um, what was the Skin of Color Center? So um, the Skin of Color Center was a center in New York City that I founded and then uh, directed. And it was designed to uh, meet the needs of people with darker skin tones, people with skin of color. So for example, um, many at that time, and and to a degree even now, uh, there were many dermatologists who were not well vo voiced um, in the conditions that occur in individuals with darker skin tones. It was much more difficult for them to diagnose it, con common conditions because of the nuances in presentation uh, in darker skin tones. There, there also was a lack of cultural competency uh, a lack of not knowledge in terms of um, cultural norms, like for example, hair care. So the way women of African descent treat their or care for their hair is quite different from the way Caucasian women. So there was a need for the center that um, could provide excellence in the diagnosis and treatment of skin diseases and darker skin tones. There was also the need for a center to perform research um, and to perform cosmetic procedures that often other dermatologists were very, very uh, afraid to do in darker skin tones. So we met a whole host of needs. And how did um, that work that you did at Skin of Color Center evolve into creating socks? Well, so, uh, one day, a group of my colleagues and I at the Skin of Color Center were talking, 
And it, it was evident that we needed more than just one skin of color center. We needed um, to provide education uh, across the country and actually across the world on diseases of skin of color. We needed other people to do research uh, on conditions that occurred in individuals with skin of color. We needed to uh, stimulate interest and support young people, whether they be college students or medical students, um, to mentor them so that they would be prepared to go into dermatology. So what kind of organization does that? Usually a society, one of the medical societies, one of the medical specialty societies. So I decided to create the Skin of Color Society. And I sat and I created a list of 14 uh, colleagues across the country. Uh, some were of African descent, some of uh, were a Latinx, some were Asian, some were white, but all of whom were, had expressed an interest in skin of color. So I sat down, I called everyone, I told them the vision, I asked them to serve on the board. And you know what's amazing? Everyone said yes. Everyone said yes. And, you know, everyone who's still around, I think in, in some capacity, still is involved in the Skin of Color Society. You mentioned that um, while you were studying to be an internist, you wanted to serve, um, help a community that was underserved um, in that space, but it seems like you did that with dermatology as well, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it took me a while to realize that I could absolutely serve the underserved. And that is indeed what I have uh, been fortunate and privileged enough to do, uh, you know, over these last uh, many years, I should say. So uh, there's so much that needs to be uh, done in terms of research and understanding the disorders, reaching people with, with, you know, certain skin, hair, and nail disorders. You know, I still have patients who come in today and they'll tell me their problem and I, uh, can offer hope and tell them what to do. And they're like, finally, you know, I found a dermatologist who understands. And that's what all our patients want. It doesn't matter what their race or their ethnicity uh, is. They want someone who's interested and is going to help them uh, or at least try to help them. I, I attended a SOCS event, a virtual event a few weeks ago. And um I don't honestly even remember what the main topic of the event was because the chat in the Zoom was so compelling to me. It was so many students, um, uh, medical students or want to be medical students asking for guidance on how to get into dermatology programs, how to get mentors, how to create relationships with working dermatologists. Um, and I was just so, I was so taken with the chat that um, I, you know, really went down the rabbit hole and, you know, trying to understand, um, you know, the needs of these students. So it really seems like there's a, a huge thirst for connection and mentorship and opportunity. Um, and SOX is really delivering on that um, to be able to help connect people who need the support with people who want to give the support. That's so important. And that is one of the fundamental missions of the Skin of Color Society, to provide mentorship opportunities. And that means, you know, providing some funding so these young people can come and spend time with a mentor. And that could be a medical student. It could be a resident. It could be a young attending, you know, to physically be in the same space 
Now, that's been a little bit postponed with COVID, but I'm sure we'll go back to that. Uh, and, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And that's where a mentor comes in. And it's not only mentorship in regard to how to get into dermatology. It's not only mentorship in, re in regards to how to advance in an academic setting, but it's also, you know, sort of those intangibles like lifestyle, family, you know, all of those questions that young people have. So, uh, and also, you know, we could, we help them plan out, you know, what kind of papers or where their interests lie. So, um, mentorship is so critically important. And I'm exceedingly proud that, you know, SOX, which is an organization that went from 15 of us to now having 800. Uh, members, not only in the United States, but all across the globe. Uh, and our reach is quite far. I, um, I think there's such a cool opportunity here, not just for the medical students, but for physicians who are trained and maybe don't get a deep enough training on skin of color to come to the organization and say, help me because I want to um, grow and evolve as a physician. Are there opportunities for that as well? Um, there are. So, so the Skin of Color Society hosts a conference, uh, a scientific conference every year. It is scheduled to be right before the American Academy of Dermatology annual meeting. So that's usually in March, sometimes in February. And we have a day-long program of speakers who discuss various topics related to skin of color, so direct education that way. And we also provide an opportunity, a forum, for young people, for residents or medical students or young attendings to present their research work. Uh, and there's a great deal of learning that occurs because of that. And we even have a competition. and. Uh, give an award to the person who you know, has the best and most impactful presentation. So I would uh, guide anyone who's looking for more education to that absolutely excellent uh, program that occurs each year. That's so great. Um, well, I hope we have AAD next year in person as normal because um, this was, uh, it was canceled. For and there was, I don't mean to cut you off, there was a virtual uh, Skin of Color program uh, this year. So, you know, we've not stopped our mission of education. That's great. So um, let's move the conversation beyond what you do as a dermatologist to what um, the, the brands and um, pharmaceutical companies need to do to support um, skin of color storytelling and education as well. But, you know, on my side, we're on the marketing side and, you know, I look at um, photos from clinical results and stuff. And, you know, most of the time it's always Caucasian. It looks like, appears like Caucasian skin. Um, you know, these are the tools I use as a marketer to communicate. Um, and I'm not seeing diversity in the testing and the research. Um, I imagine that um, it's, it's it's slow. It's been slow to happen where these products, whether it's a, an injectable or a topical, um, where the the thinking and the testing on multiple skin tones is starting from the beginning. Right? Am, am I right to in that assessment? You're you're right. So a couple of things. Um, first, sort of the foundation is at the Skin of Color Society. We could not uh, do what we do, and uh, you know 
meet our mission without the support of industry with their wonderful educational grants. So we are very, very happy with our industry partners because they're the ones who allow us, for example, to uh, provide research grants to young researchers. Um, you know, they're the ones who allow us to put on a uh, an excellent uh, program, educational program. So, you know, without our industry partners, our reach wouldn't be as far as it is. Now, um, until recently, I would say the last five to 10 years, in many um, clinical trials, uh, people with darker skin, people with skin of color, were not included for the most part. But more recently, uh, partly because the FDA often does require uh, for approval of medications as well as devices, which are, you know, what you think of as some of the cosmetics um, that we have available, that people with darker skin tones must be included, particularly those of African descent. And what I think industry has realized is that there are indeed researchers who um, have large panels of individuals with skin of color who are interested in various studies. So now the spotlight is being turned on the importance of being inclusive uh, much more broadly, whether it is for prescription medications or whether it's for toxins or fillers, for example. And um, does the Skin of Color Society have a, I guess, a consultancy program um, to give guidance to brands on how to um, be thinking um, about all skin tones and types in doing their product development? Not necessarily on a formal basis, but I think industry is very knowledgeable about those of us who are active in the Skin of Color Society and invariably will turn to, for example, our president, our immediate past president, boards of directors. And then even beyond that, if there's a call uh, for a group, um, the administrators will help disseminate that information. So I think industry knows that that our members are there. We're, we're more than happy at any time to provide any guidance or wisdom. Uh, so don't hesitate at all. We value those relationships. Let's talk about um, like normal life. You run your practice and you work on socks and I'm sure you do other things. What is, um, what is life work balance like for a dermatologist today? So um, I had a solo private practice for many years in my hometown of Philadelphia. And then five years ago, I was asked to join the University of Pennsylvania, Penn Medicine, the Department of Dermatology, which I have done. So I've been here for about five years. And my day does consist of seeing uh, clinical patients. I uh, specialize in hair disorders, as well as pigmentary disorders and acne as well. So I see those patients uh, on a weekly basis. I am very active in performing clinical research trials. So currently we're conducting a, a um, device trial as well as a um, trial for alopecia, a couple trials for alopecia. So that's another part of my, my day. Um, within my department of dermatology, I'm the vice chair for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that is a very busy role, particularly now. 
And I am currently the vice president of the American Academy of Dermatology. So life is very full. It's very busy. I am married. I have a, a husband and I have two daughters who are grown. Uh, they're, they're college graduates. Uh, so I don't have little children at home. But life is full. It's very rich. It's very busy. Um, but here's the thing. I feel that I can make a significant impact in ways that I wasn't able to, let's say when my children were young and perhaps I wasn't quite as involved. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased. Some, some days are a little overwhelming compared to other days, but it's all very rewarding and very good. And what are your goals for, let's say the next five years of Skin of Color Society? Oh, I want the Skin of Color Society to continue to grow, to continue to meet the needs of our members. For example, we just received a quite substantial grant for research, which means that instead of several small grants, we can give a large grant to a researcher that can be absolutely transformative um, to the researcher, to the researcher's career, and to the field of skin of color. So having um, those kinds of grants um, can be transformative. We're very concerned about some of the, um, the journals in, in uh, dermatology. There, there are many papers, many scientific papers we would like to see published. So we're in the process of discussing and uh, do, doing due diligence to see if, you know, maybe we'll branch out to uh, publish a some type of periodical, for example, that can reach even more people, that can bring to the forefront even more research. Um, so exploring opportunities like that to um, improve the reach of the society, improve what we do to the society. We would like to give out more uh, mentorship grants, right? So, you know, suppose we could give out 20 or 40 of those. Just think how that could influence young people in um, becoming dermatologists. So there's just so much more we can do. So that's what the well, next five years looks like. Um, it's a great segue to um, me not not hiding behind this. Tell us how people can donate to Socks, whether it's an individual, um, a brand, or an organization. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people, uh, individuals don't realize the power of individual philanthropy and, you know, writing a check to Socks, to Skin of Color Society, um, and you can either designate it for general funds or for to go towards a scholarship or whatever you would like. You know, I encourage industry. You've heard some of the initiatives that we would like to accomplish and, uh, you know, what we can do uh, with, with um, you know, financial backing is really infinite. The needs are just so huge. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful for young people who are applying to dermatology? That's an expensive process. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to offer them some types of grants to defer those expenses? Um, there's just so much that can be done. So um, please, it, whether it's a company or an individual, you know, your donations, your philanthropy can really change the lives of so many people 
um, right here. I love that um, Socks really brings together everybody in the industry. And I'm we met you through one of our clients. So I'm so glad that we now know this organization. I've already learned so much. I'm excited to learn more. My team and I are doing um, research with professionals on um, uh, darker skin tones and how, um, you know, acne treatments and lasers and all these things that, you know, I know as a Caucasian person are safe for me. Like, you know, it's a, it's a different ball game depending upon um, your skin tone. So we're doing a lot of um, learning there so that we can be more informed. Well, thank, thank you for highlighting, uh, you know, Skin of Color Society. You know, you just mentioned lasers. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to fund a researcher to help develop lasers that are more appropriate for darker skin tones? So as I said, the needs are, are, are great. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and story with us on our show, Dr. Taylor. I'm so excited to know you. Thank you. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Dr. Taylor. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.